Welcome to Tell Me More, a podcast series featuring distinguished visitors to Tufts University who share their ideas, discuss their work, and shed light on important topics of the day. In this episode, author and journalist Morgan Jerkins visits with Tufts faculty member Kerry Greenwich to discuss alternating between writing fiction and nonfiction, what interests her most as a writer, and her advice for young people. Jerkins is the author of the New York Times bestseller, This Will Be My Undoing, Living at the Intersection of Black, Female, and Feminist in White America. The book is a collection of essays that weave together her commentary on pop culture, feminism, African-American history, misogyny, and racism, along with her own experiences. Jerkins' work has been featured in The New Yorker, The New York Times, Rolling Stone, Elle, The New Republic, and The Atlantic, among other publications. She came to Tufts to speak as an invited guest of the university's Consortium of Studies in Race, Colonialism, and Diaspora. Let's listen in. So wonderful to talk to you, Morgan. I just wanted you to say your name and the name of your book and what it is that you would say describes what you do. My name is Morgan Jerkins. I'm the author of This Will Be My Undoing, Living at the Intersection of Black, Female, and Feminists in White America. And I am an author, editor, and journalist. What would you say is the focus of your book, of your work? If, you, if somebody were to say, I don't, I've never heard of this book, <laughs> what would you say that it's about? I, I've read it, but what would you say? What would you say that it's, it's about? So I would say that it's an essay collection, um, tracing my trajectory from a Black girl to a Black woman, but I'm also incorporating a lot of cultural commentary of how I came to know myself through these particular uh, points. And what would you what would you say is the reason that you became a writer? I became a writer because uh, I needed a therapeutic vent. Uh, I was bullied a lot in high school and I wanted an escape route, so to speak. So creating stories uh, was a way for me to do that. And how do you see yourself expressed on the page versus expressed as a person, if you know what you know what I mean. The fact that you're 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 expressing yourself and you're so honest and so straightforward in your writing, but how do you see yourself expressed on the page versus how you are as a as a person? Do you think they're different or one and the same or how would you I think it's a little bit different. I think when you're reading my words uh, you can't see me, um, so and I can't see you, so it's easier for me to express myself. It's as if we're sitting back to back with one another and we're telling each other our deepest emotions. Um, so I, when I'm writing, I feel like I have control over the environment 100%, and that's not something that always happens when you're in front of someone. So when, when I am by myself, I'm very much unfiltered because there's no one around, so it's easier to express myself. It's, a, it's another mm-hmm. extension of who I am in person, but it's just a lot more intimate. And what would you say is the thing that you like most to write about in your in your writing or or that drives you in your writing the most? You know, 
it could be many different things. It might be that I, I hear a conversation and it's between uh, two black women and I find something that they said intriguing. It might be just, just be a part of a sentence. And I'll be like, hmm, I wonder what that would be if I could like magnify that. Um, it might also be something that I see in the news, um, um, something that has to do with mor morals or something like that with regards to race and gender and how would you know you navigate certain decisions and it's not all black and white. Um, I'm very interested in things like that. I remember uh, reading your book, which is very powerful. You were talking a lot about how um, the public trying to put you into certain categories as an African-American, as a woman, as a younger person. Um, and what would you suggest to younger people, people at Tufts who are students, um, about how it is that you navigate that in such a, a graceful way as you do? Thank you. It didn't feel graceful mm -hmm. at a lot of times. I felt very awkward. I would say to try to find your people. And I think uh, that could be um, an organization on campus, uh, one person even, who you know you can talk to about anything and they can help to guide you or even just be with you when you're trying to figure it all out. I think that's incredibly important, especially for a uh, young black woman is to find someone who's not going to gaslight them when they talk about their experiences and things of that nature. What do you um, consider your biggest accomplishment with the book? If you, if you had to like look back um, like two years ago and you were anticipating where you would be in 2018, what is the most, the most, um, you stand back and you say, wow, that you can't believe, you know, it's two years now, 2018, and you've come out with this in incredible collection. What, 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 what would you say is the thing that sticks out to you the most? Um, that it debuted on the New York Times bestseller list. Yeah. That was the best accomplishment. <laughs> yep. yeah. Pretty good. The the New York Times bestseller list yeah. is what, it, what anyone would, would look for. Um, what are you working on now? What is what is your future your future projects? Yeah. So I am working on two books right now. Um, the second one is a nonfiction book. Uh, it's an autoethnography. So what I'm doing is I am writing about uh, the potential origins of fear and the African-American experience with, the, with regards to how people's cultural territories are at stake. So I traveled across the country interviewing a lot of people, African-Americans of different ethnic groups and showing how they're all connected in a way to talk about like, even though I'm a woman from New Jersey, you're connected to a woman who lives in Oklahoma or woman who lives or person who lives in Louisiana. It's all connected mm -hmm. under this part of the diaspora. Um, and my third book is a, is fiction, which is awesome because fiction was is my first love. I went to MFA program for fiction. And um, there is something in uh, African-American folklore about people who are born under the veil uh, or call, so to speak. They're said to be gifted with certain powers. So I'm going to be writing a novel about uh, African-American women who are call bearers, um, and it's set in present day Harlem. Do you find that difficult or what do you find that's most um, challenging about switching between the two genres, between fiction um, and your nonfiction work and your essay work. Do you is there are there challenges you see in that? Is it seamless or, or what what do you see as the challenges? It is seamless. Um what's helpful for me is that both of my books aren't in the embryonic stage. So it's staggered. So my nonfiction, uh, it's right now being revised. It's already been written, it's been revised. My 
fiction. This is a book that I worked on when I was in my MFA program, but I'm starting all over again because the world has expanded so much. So because they're not all both, they're not both at the embryonic stage, it's easier. So something that my mind does that's pretty cool is that if I'm not working on nonfiction, my mind will switch to fiction. However, I will say that the difficult part about it is learning to take a break because I'm learning that my motor, like so to speak, in my mind is still running. Even if I'm not writing anything, that the cognitive labor of thinking about how to express whatever I'm trying to do creatively, it can go on for hours. And then I'll be like, why am I so tired if I didn't write anything today? And it's like, because I've been thinking so much about it. Oh, wonderful. Um that whole idea of cognitive and the fact that that take, actually takes energy. I think people <laughs> often discount that when you talk to artists or scholars that it sort of takes a lot of energy to put into <laughs> just the thinking process before you put anything on, um, on uh, the page. Tell us one more thing that we should know about you, Morgan Jerkins, fabulous author. One thing to know about me is I used to ballroom dance, I guess. Uh, I love ballroom dancing. One of the, uh, my favorites is uh, Roomba. I'm, I love it. And Foxtrot. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> really? Like, oh, my gosh. Because I can't dance at all. So this is, that's, that's wonderful. Good, good fact. No. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tell Me More. Be sure to subscribe to listen to more episodes And please take a minute to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also welcome your thoughts on the series. You can reach us at tellmemore at tufts.edu. That's T-U-F-T-S dot E-D-U. Tell Me More is produced by Katie McLeod Strollo, Stefan Hacker, and Dave Nusher. Web production and editing support provided by Momo Shinzawa and Taylor McNeil. Production support provided by 5 to 9 Media. Special thanks to the Consortium of Studies in Race, Colonialism, and Diaspora. Our theme music is sourced from DeWolf Music. And my name is Patrick Collins. Until next time, be well. <laughs>